Today on the LA Food Podcast, I'm your host, Lucas Servodio, hoping you've packed your spacesuits because this episode is about to get intergalactic. Joining us today is Benson Tsai, CEO and co-founder of Stellar Pizza, the first and only pizza company in Los Angeles, if not the world, to be entirely powered by robots. Benson tells us the fascinating story of how he went from working on rocket launches at SpaceX to starting a visionary pizza company that's revolutionizing how we bring the age-old combination of dough, sauce, and cheese to the masses. But first, I want to tell you all a quick story of an epic social media bust-up I witnessed over the last couple of days. Eater's Bill Esparza went absolutely nuclear on taco chain Guisados for criticizing his most recent list of 38 essential tacos to try in LA. This was a fascinating face-off between LA taco royalty, and I walked away with a couple of key takeaways. I can't wait to share them with you all. So without further ado, let's chow down. There's nothing inherently shocking about a restaurateur taking issue with a food critic and what a food critic says. In fact, that's one of those things that's so inherent to the food world. It's been memorialized in many forms of popular culture, from Ratatouille to the recent satire, The Menu to FX's The Bear. There's always a food critic involved that either says something nice that really elevates uh, the reputation of a restaurant or that perhaps take takes issue with a dish or an entire concept and therefore really, really pisses off the restaurateur or the chef. I understand where the chef is coming from in those situations. I mean, anybody who is passionate about what they do is going to get upset is going to feel some type of way when somebody criticizes them for what they're doing. I think that's only amplified when that criticism is directed towards what is not just your passion, but also your livelihood. It's really interesting to me what social media and the internet has done to this dynamic between chef and restaurateur. I'm sorry, between restaurateur and food critic, because whereas a food critic used to just like write something in a paper that showed up the next day or the next couple days to the restaurant and the restaurateur could, you know, at best call the the, the paper and complain or, you know, maybe the next time the uh, the critic came to the restaurant, they could do something like spit in their food or, you know, maybe have a conversation I think that now with social media, that barrier, that sort of like, you know, uh, protective fence around a critic, if you will, is gone. And you're starting to see confrontations between critics, whether it's just a blogger or a proper reporter and the restaurateur. You're starting to see those conflicts happen in real time. And this week, a really, really interesting one happened on Instagram when... Bill Esparza just released his updated list of the 38 essential tacos to try in Los Angeles. And in that list, he omitted 
a certain Los Angeles institution that is very well known for their guisos. I'm talking about guisados. Guisados started in Boyle Heights, I want to say, in like 2013. And at the time, was extremely highly venerated. It was, you know, Jonathan Gold wrote about it, talking about how amazing their tortillas were, how amazing their guisos were. And it was a really kind of like popular, sceny place for foodies to visit and to be seen uh, for a very long time. They've since expanded and are now in Beverly Hills. They're now in West Hollywood. They're now in Pasadena. They've, they've become a force of nature on the L.A. taco scene. But Bill is also a force of nature. He's been doing this work of, you know, reviewing, finding, and telling people about taquerias for, you know, the better part of two decades, maybe even more. And a lot of the, like, best taco lists that you're going to see in Los Angeles are derivative in some way, shape, or form of work that he's done to, quote-unquote, break the news of certain amazing taquerias. The list of the taquerias that he's, quote-unquote, discovered goes on and on and on. You know, from, I think he was the first person to write about Marisco Salisco. He was the first person to write about Carnitas El Momo. Uh, He was the first person to write about uh, Tacos La Carreta, Burritos La Palma, Coney Seafood. It's a super long list and a very, very impressive one. Basically, what happened this week is that the owner of Guisados took issue with being left off of the list, which apparently he hasn't been on for a while. Guisados hasn't been on the list for a while, but the owner of Guisados took to social media to comment on the post that said, hey, we've got an updated list. Here it is. And the owner commented, no Guisados must be a Bill Esparza list crying laugh emoji. Quisados, the business account, then comments on that post and says, 11 years and running trophy emoji, which makes me think they're either being ironic or they don't know how emojis work. Now, Bill sees this, and because we no longer have that barrier between critic and restaurant slash chef, what does he do? He responds in real time. He, he basically does the equivalent of that Michael Jordan last dance meme, which is like, and I took it personally. And he went on a spree of stories on Instagram listing two things. One, his credentials for why a quote-unquote Bill Esparza list is actually, is actually something you should take seriously. And B, why he left Guisados off. Now, for the former point, he basically says, you know, I've been doing this for the better part of two decades. I've discovered all of these places. He posts the quote-unquote receipts, a.k.a. like taco encyclopedias he's been publishing on publications like Los Angeles Magazine and the LA Times and LA Taco ever since like 2015, even before, like 2012, you know. He's been doing this for a long time. He knows tacos around Los Angeles like nobody's business. So he makes the case for that first. But then in a really sort of like shocking turn of events, he starts to go in on guisados as a concept. Now, for those of you who don't know, guisados are a type of Mexican taco that 
are served in a tortilla and are stews. They're stews served in a tortilla. They're a breakfast taco typically, and they're they're basically meant to be like a really hearty breakfast that you can have one, two, maybe three of, and just like be deeply satisfied, nourished, ready to go for the next for for the day. So he takes issue with the entire concept of how Guisados constructs their tacos. First of all, he says they're they're quote unquote conceptually wrong. The tortilla is too thick and there's nothing to bind the milk toast guisos to the tortilla. He he criticizes them for just giving you a spoonful of guiso as opposed to like a hearty serving. And then he says he goes like one by one into different types of their tacos talking about why they're actually not good. He says the beans are devoid of any flavor. He calls the steak picado mealy. He calls the cochinita stringy. I mean, it is an absolute like Al Pacino and Scarface level takedown of guisados. This was fascinating to me for a couple reasons. One, you're seeing two titans of Los Angeles taco gastronomy face off in real time and that that we can do that because of social media which is absolutely insane but secondly you know it kind of reminded me that as a critic as someone who's making lists you've got to be able to defend why you're making that list because you are inevitably going to be questioned about it whether you're just you know a small time influencer or whether you're a proper critic like Bill Esparza, you need to be able to back up why you're giving some sort of rating, why you're giving, why you're excluding or including somebody from a list, and you better be able to like list the method for your madness. Otherwise, people are going to lose all credibility um, or lose all belief in you. And I think Bill actually, you know, I think he was a little, you know, uh, aggressive here, but. You, you got to give him props for being able to back up his opinions. Secondly, I think as a restaurant, from the restaurant's perspective, you got you to gotta be careful, right? I mean, I absolutely support, you know, conversations and even arguments, you know. We should be able to, to have arguments about restaurant concepts and whether they work and whether they don't. I mean, that's part of the the beauty of eating, right, is being able to talk about it, is being able to exchange opinions on it, is be able, it's, it's that back and forth, right? But if you're a restaurateur, you should be warned that if you do this, social media, you, you can't just call the New York Times anymore and, and, and complain and then just like, you know, sit back and not, and, and know that nothing will happen. No, the person you're complaining to can respond and can do so very publicly. And I think actually Guisados actually got much worse press by the fact that they ended up complaining about not being on the list than if they had just sat back and accepted that they weren't on the list. Now there's like an entire story that lives out there on why their concept is wrong, what's wrong with all their meats. I mean, it's really kind of, you know, shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. Finally, I think there's just lists are something that people take way too seriously in general. As a person who puts together lists, I think it's safe to say 
nobody really wants to put together a list. You don't really want to exclude anybody. You don't, you know, you feel bad. You always feel bad leaving people off. It's never perfect. I think even Bill Esparza, you know, I have a feeling if in his ideal world, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be putting together lists, you know. I, I think that's just a great sort of function to get people to click on on a, on a, on a link and in this day and age that's what you kind of need to do as a newsroom is find ways to drive links uh, or drive clicks to your website so i i think you know these lists are never ever going to be exhaustive they're always going to leave things out so i think as a restaurateur as a restaurant you just can't take it too personally because you know if if you're a taqueria and there's a list of like 25 tacos and you're left off guess what you're in the majority you're, you are in the majority there are hundreds if not thousands of other establishments that have been left off as well you know i think just if i was a restaurateur in that situation knowing the potential for blowback if I complain about this kind of thing, I'd probably just be like, okay, you know what? Keep my head down. I'm not included on this one. I'll be included on the next. And you know what? It does happen. Sure, there are some taquerias that are just the media darlings and they're included on every list, right? Or just restaurants in general that you seem to see on every list, no matter how you know disappointing or inconsistent they might become over the years. But there's also other restaurants that just keep doing their thing, fly under the radar for a while, and then all of a sudden get recognized. I mean, we're seeing this happen in, in uh, LA Tacos Taco Madness right now. There are certain taquerias that have been doing it for years, but that are like only this year being included in the competition and are doing really well. So, hey, all I'm saying is it's not that deep. I don't think you should treat it like it's that deep if you're excluded from a list. And... Uh, you know, I was just absolutely flabbergasted by this whole thing. Um, I think the stories are probably gone from Bill's uh, social media by now. But if you're interested in uh, in uh, seeing what he wrote, um, I did happen to screenshot all of the stories. So uh, uh, DM me and I'll send them your way. But uh, it's enough about that. It's time to talk about uh, a topic that I love just as much as tacos, if not more. And that's pizza. We're going to be right back with Benson's eye of Stellar Pizza. Um, and, and real quick, let me say, Pizza City Fest is coming up this weekend. So if you haven't gotten your tickets now, I'm giving you a PSA right now. Go get them because Saturday's already sold out, but Sunday is still available. So go get them. We'll be right back with Benson. I could not be more excited today to be joined by the CEO and co-founder of Stellar Pizza, Benson Sai. How are you doing today, Benson? Fine, thanks. I'm excited to chat with you today. Thank you for joining us. Um, Benson and I recently had the chance to meet at a little uh, little pre-party for Pizza City Fest, uh, the event that's coming up this weekend. How are you feeling for the event? Oh, I'm uh, really excited to be a part of the pizza community, specifically in Los Angeles, where where I was born and raised. So, so it's it's uh, fun to to see such exciting kind of pizza related events here here in LA versus you know elsewhere. It's really had a pizza come up, Los Angeles, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think I saw some article talking about how LA is becoming the next big pizza city. So, so I'm 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 here for it. You're here at the right time. Well, you said you're you're born and raised here. Whereabouts were you born? 
Yeah, I was born, uh, well, born in Beverly Hills, uh, just because I think that's insurance sent my parents there, <laughs> but <laughs> grew up in, in, in uh, Whittier and Hacienda Heights uh, in San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, and where, where, where are your stomping grounds now? Uh, I live in Redondo Beach. Yeah. Okay. So, so quite, quite the difference. You've gone from <laughs> inland to the coast. Yep, yep. It's uh the the weather's a little bit better closer to the water. <laughs> yeah, I bet less uh less heat, especially in the summer months. No. Um and you didn't set out for a career in food, um, but from speaking to you, it's clear that you have a passion for it. So I'm curious to know, what do you trace your passion for food to? Yeah, so uh my parents are immigrants from Taiwan and they they, you know, they grew up there. Taiwanese culture. Have you ever been? It's. Uh, I haven't. I have not. Obsessed with food is 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 what what how I would describe the culture over there. We we greet each other in the street, asking not how are you doing or how are you, but we ask have you eaten yet or are you full. I love uh, that. <laughs> yeah. The answer. So, the answer for me is always yes. Always. Always. Yeah. Well, the answer is uh, no, but please make me full. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, another fun little note about Taiwanese culture, that if you go to the National Palace Museum in Taipei, the, the Mona Lisa uh, of the museum or the, the, you know, the main attraction of the museum is actually a rock that looks like a piece of braised pork. Oh, and, my God. I love and, that. Yeah. And then the, next to it is a, is a jade uh, stone carved to look like Napa cabbage. And so, so that's kind of the... the <laughs> The, the, they're the pinnacle of of of, of Taiwanese kind of history and art. So truly yeah. obsessive about food. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so naturally, when my parents moved to America, moved to Los Angeles, they actually opened a restaurant. It was a fish and chips restaurant. They, it was called Uncle Hank's Fish and Chips, uh, authentic English food. <laughs> and, how did that? How did they choose English food? Uh, it was a lot easier to like cook English like fish and chips, fry things than to actually make Chinese food, and so that was kind yeah. of the business they they got into, and 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 uh, that was their big for you know big first business in America, which which allowed them to get their green cards. But they didn't speak any English, and they were they were able to survive in L.A., which goes to show like you, the immigrant hustle is very real. Well, that's authentic because a lot of British people don't speak English either. So all good there. Uh, yeah. Well, where was it? Uh, it was in Alhambra. Uh, I don't know how well uh -huh. you know L.A., but Alhambra, San Gabriel Valley as well. And um, they, I think they they ran that for a few years before uh, they realized how difficult it was to run a restaurant in, in, in America or run a restaurant at all. And so they, they, they stopped that, and then uh, both of them started separate businesses, uh, one in import-export picture frame, and then the other in uh, Chinese education. And were you born pre- or post-restaurant? Uh, just right at the, right at the ch changing point uh, is when I was born, yeah. Got it. So you don't have any stories of growing up manning the fryer and tra you know, no, slinging no. fish or anything like that? No. Uh, um, well, so, okay, so, so food is clearly runs in the family. But yeah. you didn't. You haven't worked in food forever. You, you, uh, from from lore, I know that you started <laughs> out, or, or you were before starting Stellar Pizza at SpaceX. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. What What were you doing there? 
Yeah, so I was in, uh, I was designing uh, battery systems for the spaceship as well as the the uh, I was in charge of the satellite battery system, the power system for the satellite. And we were, uh, you know, I just designed. I was an engineer. I was I was heads down. Just I felt like I had an, uh, a blank check to design the coolest batteries on on and off this planet. And, and, <laughs> and uh, it was a wild ride. I was there for five years really loved that era of my life and can talk a little bit more but but i guess additional context is before spacex i'm not sure we discussed this when we met but i was a part of the early team at lucid motors where Mm -hmm. uh, i developed the the battery system the battery architecture a lot of the patents uh that lucid has on battery design are under my name and and uh i was a part of the electric vehicle era uh and and so so I've lived a very very storied kind of life, yeah. But but uh, pizza and food is sort of my passion, and and I've I've taken all of the resources and all the connections that I've gathered throughout my career, and and, and now I'm channeling all of that into Stellar Pizza. Not not to get super nerdy, but it's yeah. pretty it's pretty obvious how the batteries come into play with electric vehicles. Excuse my ignorance, but where do the yeah. batteries come into play in space travel? In fact. That seems that seems scary. If I'm, I don't want a battery powered <laughs> rocket ship, you know. No, no, but but uh, everything that controls, you know, anything it needs electricity, right? Yeah. So so I remember a moment when the first Starlink, the Starlink prototypes were flying in space, and one of the the first bit of telemetry of data that we get back from space is actually the battery voltage. So mm. so really, the battery is the heart of the vehicle. It it, it is what enables everything else it it keeps every all the electronics alive so we can monitor the pressures we can turn on the right things at the right times uh the battery is the heart of the of of any uh spacecraft Hmm. good to know so it sounds like from your career you have Mm -hmm. a knack of getting into things like right when the boom is happening versus (laughs) the electric vehicle then is space travel and sort of you know the privatization of that and now, obviously, the next frontier is pizza, clearly. Uh, yeah. But believe it or not, for a lot of people, that's not such a clear through line. So I'm curious <laughs> to know, how did you go from that world to this pizza one? Yeah, um, well, well, throughout my career, I've sort of really lived a life where I've always made the uncomfortable choice or made the choice that uh, allows me to learn the most. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, it's, it's been true, you know, even, even before electric vehicles, I, I, I worked at my mom's uh, second business, which was a tutoring center. And I was teaching and educating uh, kids uh, when I, I remember being in fourth grade and teaching kindergartners. Right. Hmm. So I was, I was always working and always learning. And so, so this, this, this ethos of, of constantly being, or constantly not knowing what I'm doing is something I got very, very comfortable with and, and mm-hmm. something I actually enjoy. So when I left and, you know, was afforded the opportunity to work on electric vehicles, work on spaceships, it was just like, why not? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I remember distinctly watching or building the, the batteries for Starlink and standing on, on the factory floor at, at SpaceX and, and realizing that I was bored. And that's when I knew it was time to move on. Wow, I, I 
don't think I could fathom how someone could get bored of like space travel, but here we go. Clearly, uh, clearly we're not all made equal, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Food, food is just something that I've always loved. And, and if you, if you really look at my career, you could, since stellar pizza, which we haven't really talked about too much, but it is a fully automated, uh, pizza food truck, right? If you yeah. look at that, uh, it, 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 I've been designing vehicles my entire career, right? So there mm-hmm. is a logical through line to go from, from electric cars to spaceships to, to pizza trucks. It's, it's, it's really about putting really interesting technology in, in, in a mobile uh, system. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny you, you frame it like that because oftentimes when you talk to somebody about their career, it seems like – Oh, of course, that was the next step, or of course, that was the next step once they actually lay it out. Um, but we all know that these things take a little serendipity; they take a little, uh, a little chance. I'm curious, what put the the seed of the idea in your head that this was something you want to pursue? Yeah, it's it's always been something I've thought about. My my uh, academic degree, so I went to uh, undergrad here in Los Angeles at uh, Harvey Mudd College at the Claremont Colleges. Um, and then I got a degree in chemical engineering. So uh, it, uh, chemical engineering is is the discipline where we actually scale up manufacturing processes. Mm-hmm. And a large part of the department at, at the University of Minnesota, where I went, um, uh, supported uh, some of the work done at General Mills, where we were mm-hmm. you know producing food at scale. I remember sitting through a lecture on how to coat uh, frosted flakes with the right amount of sugar. And, and I did research for, for Wrigley's where we were characterizing bubblegum uh, material properties. So I've, I've been loosely associated with the food world and, and, and really enjoyed that work. I just got distracted with the, the shiny things in Silicon Valley. Before Lucid Motors, I actually started an electric truck company with a colleague no of mine doing, uh, it's called Motive Power Systems and it's around today. They designed most of the uh, like step van electric vehicles uh, in America right now. Wow. Yeah. So, so started that company, got involved in Lucid real early. And it, it's just like, I don't know. It, there's no, I, I feel like if, so, if, if I already know what's going to happen in the next six months, that's like not exciting to me. I like living in this very, very uncertain kind of world where I'm, I get to choose what story I want to write with my life. And so speaking of that story, when did you decide to take the plunge from leaving SpaceX to do the do stellar pizza? Yeah, yeah. 2019 is when I left SpaceX and uh, two of my co my co-founders of Stellar Pizza actually were, were the ones who were really excited about starting the company. And mm-hmm. the three of us loved food. We would we would often uh, go out and seek out new foods to try, talk about different foods uh explore all of the LA food scene and, and and it was pretty logical for us to want to start something and something we were passionate about and, and they just my, my co-founders James and Brian happened to be expert roboticists uh from Carnegie Mellon University and, and so we had the skill we had the technical skills mm-hmm. and I had the the experience of working and founding a startup and so so we just kind of put our put all of our heads together and, and, and realized that there was a really, really great opportunity in helping solve uh, the affordability crisis with, with food these days. So that was a problem you were looking to solve, affordability. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Because you're thinking Affo- if you can lower the cost via removing labor, uh, is that the yeah. idea? 
Yeah, that and also um, our technology allows us to move and cook at the end of the day. We wanted to help solve the problem of affordable delivered food as well. So mm -hmm. if you can imagine a fleet of uh, sprinter vans that are cooking their pizza on the way, you know, cooking your pizza on the way to your house, that would make delivered food, convenient delivered food, more affordable for everyone. Um, the idea of having a restaurant that can move and serve hundreds of people without, you know, with minimal effort, without minimal staff, we can help solve some of the food desert problems we have in Los Angeles and in America. So was pizza always the going to be the product or did you bandy around ideas for other types of food that could be automated? Yeah, yeah. I looked at, looked at a lot of different food items. Actually, funny enough, we started looking uh, – well, I started in, in an area that I was very passionate about, which was boba. And uh -huh. uh, wanted to get freshly made, high quality boba into everyone's hands because my parents are from Taiwan, and you know Taiwan is the birthplace of boba. But just realizing the the greater market opportunity with pizza, and and also pizza being another food that I loved, it was like the only American food allowed in my in my immigrant household. So so I was just like, really I pizza just as much because it was affordable and, and, and food is not as affordable these days. So, so I think, yeah, uh, the robotics is interesting from a, from a cost savings perspective, uh, perspective for a business. But what we've done with our technology is taken the cost savings of the robotics and, and allowed, uh, you know, we paid uh, more for higher quality ingredients. We pay our employees better because we have uh, fewer of them mm -hmm. and we share the cost savings with our customers. Okay, so I want to hear all about the actual process of the pizza making and, and yeah. sort of like, you know, how the, how, like where the robots come in, you know? But yeah. I, I, first I want to hear, did anybody try to stop you when you told them you were going to leave SpaceX to do this? No, I mean, I was there for five years and that's sort of a, uh, I, I, I was yeah. there for 76 rocket launches. We went from not, like, not, cartoons of rockets landing on boats to landing on boats uh starlink was just a dream and then we were launching them at the end of my five years there and i feel like i felt like i lived an entire engineer's aerospace engineer's career in those five years so so there wasn't really much stop like anything really stopping me and and when i told <laughs> funny enough my parents were always like when are you going to start your own business uh, oh and, and, really and, and my my response was always like i'm a rocket scientist like aren't you proud <laughs> <laughs> and they're like no, no 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 don't work for anyone so so they've always been entrepreneurs and, and that's always been the expectation i was the only person in my family who actually ever worked for anyone um, yeah and and so so it was sort of just a culmination of of, of life uh life i think events. that's the that's yeah. the title of your autobiography someday. I'm a rocket <laughs> scientist. Aren't you proud? Uh, I love that. Um, okay, yeah. so so okay, so talk to me about when you actually started leaving and 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 making the the robots, right? Like, was the idea for all for for the entire process to always be entirely automated from the making of the dough to the mixing of the ingredients, all of it? Yeah, we, we took a look at where automation uh, was used in, in any sort of food production process. And, and 
ultimately, like a lot of the dough manufacturing, all the dough being made in a bakery, in a big bakery these days is actually fairly automated. There's a lot of equipment mm. that you can buy off the shelf and you just need a person to move material from one, one place to another. Um, at the, at the pizza making level though, there's still a lot of, you know, hu- there's a lot of human labor involved where you're putting the toppings on, you're spreading the, the sauce, yeah. you're opening, and not, not, not necessarily opening the pizza, because if you go into like a Blaze pizza or a Mod pizza, you, you see the press kind of pressing out the dough. So we, we were just kind of excited that, that everyone's been doing these like little baby steps towards automation. But if you could get, you know, get rid of the labor or, or human involvement in the entire process, you could actually streamline and create a much more interesting restaurant experience where you don't have any sort of the time lag or the, or the delays or the inefficiencies of, of having people involved. And, and, and that's kind of what we built. We, we, we automate. We didn't design new machines to automate dough production because those machines already exist. Those are, we yeah. Did, yeah. What we did automate was the, the pizza making from dough ball to, you know, pizza, fully cooked pizza at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, it, it you know our machine takes a dough ball it picks the dough ball up it opens the dough with a, a double sided heated press that 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 then allows for our topping uh, system to add sauce add cheese uh, add uh, we freshly cut pepperonis onto the pizza and dispense the other you know bell peppers uh, sausage etc onto the pizza depending on what the customer ordered fully automated there's no person looking at what pizza this was you know, supposed to the machine already knows what it needs to make and it can make a pizza in about four and a half minutes, uh, fully wow. cooked. Yeah. So the, the dough making, the dough making, the dough mixing, all of that, that, mm-hmm. that, those robotic capabilities already existed out there. And it was, it was mostly just about finding the right ones for your purposes, yeah. but the ones that you, you all created were, or, or, or really sort of had to innovate were the ones that had, had to do with how the pizza is built after the fact. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's with um, handling the dough, keeping the dough stored at the right temperature. It's with opening the dough and, and then adding all the toppings and, and ultimately cooking the pizza, which is, which is, uh, no one had really done that fully automated in a very, very small uh, uh, footprint. Uh, yeah. We've been eating. I, I like to tell people that we've been eating pizzas made by robots for decades in the frozen pizza industry. Oh, yeah. And, are and those we, are those fully made by people? No, but they, they still have people involved at some point, right? They still have some people, yeah, but it's yeah. largely automated. Uh, and what we've done is is take a lot of that, you know, borrowed a lot of the the, the inspiration for those machines and, and, and applied them to uh, our our small little truck. And we we've taken modern engineering methods, modern electronics, and shrunk everything down into this very 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 small uh, box, this magic box that makes delicious pizza. And so, what about the actual pizza itself, the recipe? How did you mm-hmm. all develop that? Yeah, um, well, we scoured the internet. We we made. I think probably like 50 or 60 different recipes. And we started to, to hone in on what we, what we liked, what we didn't like about each. I remember going to New York and just eating pizza nonstop three to three to five times a day, just to understand pizza culture. And we landed on uh, not necessarily a Neapolitan pizza, which are, they're very delicious, but you can, you have to eat them within the first like 10 to 30 seconds yeah. of them coming out of the oven. We landed more on a New York thin sliced, uh, pizza that that would taste amazing right out of 
the oven, but for maybe 20, 30 minutes afterwards as well. Yeah. So, so you would describe your pizza closer to New York style than anything else? That's right. That's right. So if a New Yorker rolls up to Stellar Pizza, are they going to be like, Hey, I recognize this. Or are they going to be like, (laughs) not quite? It's, 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 it's inspired by, I should say, we don't do the double, uh, you know, you know how in New York, when you get a, when you get a dollar slice, they usually have them sitting out for a little bit and then they reheat yeah. it to make it crispy and dry. Ours are only cooked once and, and they're still pretty crispy and pretty delicious. Uh, but it's, it's, it's definitely inspired by the New York slice. So right now you have trucks, right? Yes. You have, and so how does the experience at one of your trucks work for a, con- yeah. for a consumer? Yeah, so our, our consumer would, um, right now we're largely servicing college campuses. So a consumer uh, would be in, in, in their dorm uh, or in a classroom and they could just pull up our Stellar Pizza app and look at the queue and just be like, okay, I need to order a pizza and they'll, they'll order a pizza from the classroom. And as they're walking back to their dorm room or, or to their class, they'll just stop by and carry out and pick up their pizza and go. And so, so it's, it's very, very much a digitally native experience. Uh, with with no humans taking in orders and telling the machine what to do, the the customer orders and that app tells the machine what to do and it tells them exactly what time the pizza is going to come out because we know everything's automated, everything's scheduled, and so they wow. they can go and pick up their pizza at the exact point in time. There's no waiting around for our pizza, and it's perfect for a, a famously non-punctual demographic like college <laughs> students. Because if you were making Neapolitan, they would have to be right there to pick it up yeah. in order for it to be good. But the fact that it's good for 20 to 30 minutes later, that's yeah. kind of perfect for those uh, procrastinating college kids. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're able to run, you know, a pizza, despite taking four and a half minutes for one pizza to get produced, we're, we're able to run a pizza every 45 seconds to a minute. So we can do, you know, 60 to 80 pizzas an hour. Wow. So am I right in saying that it's never it's rarely that long of a wait if you're ordering stellar pizza um we are actually doing pretty good sometimes our wait is 40 or 50 pizzas deep and so that we 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 there's still a wait uh you can't get around the fact that there's just high demand during certain times usually late, late night for us after 10 p.m yeah uh, but uh in general it's it's pretty fast and the crazy thing about our idea or our technology is uh, once we get more vehicles on the road, we can sort of uh, have multiple vehicles follow demand throughout the day. And, 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 and if a particular location gets too crazy, we'll just bring a second truck immediately cuts down the wait time in half. Right. So, so we're, we're learning where we, where we should move all of uh, our vehicles and, and, and long-term the idea is to have these trucks, you know, be in office parks at lunch, be in, in family neighborhoods between four and six p.m. or four and eight p.m. to serve kids dinner and their families, mm-hmm. and then go to college campuses or be at bars at two a.m. right when they close. And, and, and it's it's this dynamic. The, we're, we're an entire restaurant, labor efficient restaurant, with with the ability to pick up and move, uh, at, at, you know, at the snap of a finger. And when you're deploying a truck. Is the only the only like employee involved the driver? Yeah. So right now we have a driver and uh, a, a, we we call him a pilot and a co-pilot and and mm. uh, that's only because it's fairly lonely by yeah. running a restaurant by yourself. But also if there's any scenarios where uh, someone needs to use the restroom or whatever, it, we we need two people to man every single truck. Uh, but it also allows us to 
focus all of our training and all of our uh, uh, labor on the customer interaction uh, at the point of pickup versus, you know, taking ingesting orders. It, it really maintains that human presence for a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I like the compassion of it. It gets lonely. You need that co-pilot. <laughs> yeah. um, I can imagine just being alone with the robot all day. It's just like talking to chat GPT. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm interested in your, uh, your investment trajectory. Cause you, you got investment a first yeah. round and then your mm-hmm. second one, there was, uh, someone who's relatively famous involved. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, formally it was, uh, the investment was led by Marcy Venture Partners and uh, Marcy Venture Partners has uh, three general partners, one being uh, uh, Jay-Z and then uh, Jay Brown, who is, who is also equally as amazing as Jay-Z and then Larry, Larry Marcus, who, who is a very quite famous venture capitalist and and, an amazing, amazing uh, board member for us. But yeah, uh, we definitely are working with some pretty amazing people. uh, Did, uh, yeah. Did Jay, has Jay tried the pizza? So, so um, Jay-Z doesn't eat pork, uh, I believe, uh, but he's waiting on our beef uh, as well. We've had, uh, most of the team has tried the pizza though. Okay. Good, good, good. I'm curious to know what, how Jay-Z reacts to pizza in general. If he's like, ha you crazy for this one, Benson. No. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know that I can talk to that <laughs> specifically. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you're not coming from a pizza background, but you are now getting, getting involved in the pizza community in Los Angeles. You just went yes. to pizza expo in Las Vegas. I'm curious, did you have a little bit of like um, anxiety when you're rolling out this pizza to the pizza community about like, <laughs> oh my God, what are they going to say? Uh, how, how, how did you navigate that and how did it go? Yeah, I would say I had a crisis when I started this company of like, <laughs> I- initially I was like, should I just sell pizza robots? And, and the challenge with selling machines that could, like everybody's going to have a different cheese, a different sauce. And when you're getting off the ground, you can't build a machine that does everything. You, or otherwise it will just suck at doing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we decided to take the path of, of bringing automation into the world with our own brand initially, uh, where we go from there, you know, long-term, I'd be excited to lower the cost of living across all food categories, not just pizza. Right. I want to build machines that build burgers and, 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 and burritos and tacos. But um, for us, I was, I, I was like, I think the right call is to sell pizza and, and the crisis is like, who am I to come into the restaurant world from the rocket science world, from yeah. the electric vehicle world? But then I realized I knew a, a finance guy who opened a coffee shop and I knew another like uh, uh, engineer who opened uh, like a burger joint, right? Like yeah. people enter the restaurant world from whatever walk of life they they, they come from and they, they enter and are, are generally welcome with open arms. And so for me, I, 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 that realization allowed me to be like, oh, I can just, you know, as long as I uh, do right by my employees and do right by my customers and, and really just recognize that I'm not here to disrupt anything. I'm here to make the customer experience a lot better. Uh, you know, it, it, I was, that's kind of what gave me the, 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 the peace of mind to uh, enter the restaurant industry and, and, um, yeah, I was the invited. I, I did get a call last year where they invited me to be the keynote speaker at the International Pizza Expo. 
one of two keynote speakers. Wow. Tony Tony G was the other keynote speaker. So I was like that level of uh, uh, acknowledgement. I, I felt uh, a little bit of that that imposter syndrome of like, who am I to oh, yeah. talk in front of the entire? That's like world. you know. I've had this podcast for like uh, this is like episode fourteen. It's like me getting invited to the to the podcast Emmys and being the keynote speaker with Joe Rogan. You know. Yeah, yeah, that is that is so so definitely nervous uh, uh, getting on stage. But as I was digging through kind of the history of why what I you know I had to do a lot of self reflection of like what what am I actually doing and and realizing that that my family has always been in the food business. I've always been interested in food engineering. It, it, it sort of, I, I, I told that story on stage uh, three weeks ago, and, and uh, I think I think it, it went great. Uh, yeah. I was very nervous walking on stage. Uh, I think, oh, oh, there was a point where we, in Soundcheck, they asked me what song I need, I wanted to walk on stage to. Yeah. Uh, and I had this like crisis moment, then I realized I should pick a Jay-Z song. And so, so oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, pr- you were probably contractually obliged to, right? <laughs> yeah so i picked uh rock boys which was a very kind of off off not, not super popular song but but i love yeah it. so i mean look you uh, could have you could have done a lot more controversial ones so i feel like yeah uh, that, that was probably a good choice yeah uh, and then i think i think i won people over when I, I put up a slide you know i talked about all the things that i learned as a rocket scientist and all the lessons i learned at spacex and how they could be applied to the food world and I ended with a slide that uh, said uh, running a restaurant is not rocket science. Hmm. Uh, it's way harder. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, and good. Hope- I like that. I like that because you're showing your audience, you recognize how hard their jobs are too. It is It is way harder building a, a, a food business than it is to design something. Like in, in, in engineering, there's like the laws of physics. You do one thing, you know exactly what's going to happen, right? Whereas yeah. in the restaurant world, you do one thing and you have no idea what's going to happen. Like, absolutely they could hate it right yeah well it's funny when you were saying the 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 piece about you know you know venture capitalists who have started coffee shops and whatnot like it you you often forget like being good at food is probably the least important prerequisite to opening a restaurant sometimes like how many times has someone thrown a good dinner party and 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 their friends were like oh you should totally open a restaurant and then maybe they do, and it turns out to be a disaster. Yeah. What you really need is sort of that that business vision, sort of like the in your case, it sounds like the scientific understanding yeah. of how the product is going to work as well. So to me, it kind of makes sense that transferable skills really matter in this industry. Yeah, uh, good business sense and good good strategic partnership, uh, you know, relationship building. All of the skills that you need to build any business are, are sort of common across across uh, industries, and yeah. and um, food just you know it, it just depends on what what you're passionate about and what you want to build in, but definitely like people who are passionate about food aren't necessarily passionate about building a business and, and, and finding the right people who who want to do that. It, yeah. it's rare. So yeah. you mentioned burgers, tacos, burritos. I'm curious, any and boba? Could you ever go back to boba, your original love? I'm curious what what do you think is like the next frontier? Uh, I you know it, it it's really it's really I've thought I, I've thought you know back and forth. I think fried chicken and fries is super interesting, but mm. boba. You know I love boba a lot. 
the problem with BOA is the market is way too small and, and teaching teaching people maybe in the Midwest uh, to, to chew and drink at the same time is, is pretty challenging, I think. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, speaking of that, though, I have an idea and you're going to yeah. tell me all the reasons sure. this is the wrong idea. Yeah. But y- you mentioned affordability. You mentioned yeah. um, the... Uh, food deserts too and we know that like a big problem with food deserts is oftentimes nutrition as well right Mm -hmm. um and also you know you're starting here in los angeles and it just you know start started my brain thinking what's popular here in the city of la smoothies i mean if you could like bring a cost of a of like an erewhon smoothie down from like nine dollars to six dollars or something like that and they were (laughs) the same quality you would get tons of people at least in la you know um, there was a company that was doing this. Uh, they were called Ono Foods, Ono Food Co. Uh, and they, they pivoted to building uh, bowls or, or automation equipment to make bowls. But they had a smoothie robot truck and it was actually quite delicious. Hmm. I think that the challenges of building a business like that and encouraging people to eat healthier is that um, a smoothie is maybe not something that people like the, the frequency in which most people get smoothies is pretty yeah. low. Versus, you know, on any given day, 14% of America eats pizza. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so my, my take on, on nutrition long-term is maybe, you know, if I can get more people to eat veggie, veggie pizza yeah. and less meat, you know, pizza's already pretty good on the, on the, on the meat uh, or like meat consumption index. Cause like it's very little meat per, per, per serving. But yeah, it's true. Uh, one idea that I've toyed with is, is maybe not charging uh, for vegetables and, and charging only for meat and, and trying to get people to slowly change their habits. If, if I had built a salad robot and driven it into a food desert, I'd, I'm not sure that <laughs> it would be yeah. that great initially. Yeah, right? no, 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 you're right. You got to be people where they're at. I think the idea of not charging for vegetables is absolutely brilliant. I'm not sure how you would make that work. Uh, yeah. from a business sense, but I like the idea of getting people through the door somehow is yep. uh, the, 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 your heart's in the right place. And I applaud that. Yeah. Um, well, good to know that my smoothie idea was complete shit. Um, <laughs> but, but you know what? Hey, if I'm telling you, if you brought that smoothie robot to an Equinox and just licensed it, I, I, look, yep. there's an audience. <laughs> Um, this is so interesting. So what's the goal long-term for Stellar Pizza? Who is your, who is your, obviously you have a vision, you have things that you want to do, but is the goal here to, to take on frozen pizza? Is it to take on the big, big pizza like Domino's and Papa John's and these guys? Like what, who are, who who are you coming for? Yeah. I I mean, ultimately the food industry is a very fascinating, like, place like Domino's the largest player in the pizza world you know pizza market they, they own seven percent of the market or something a very very small fraction right so yeah. there's room like nobody wants to eat Domino's every single day someone might rotate between Domino's Papa John's and hopefully you know us eventually and, and so we're, we're trying to be stellar pizza itself is trying to be a, a household you know name uh, uh I, I tell everyone and anyone who will listen that we're, we're, we're trying to build in and out for pizza so I like that so, you're not going to find arugula on our pizza. It's going to be like pretty standard, like affordable, high quality pizza. That's yeah, the basics. I, I like that comp because, yeah, your prices are really good. I, I, I was looking at the menu the other day. It's under $10 yeah. for a personal pizza, right? 
Well, it's not a personal. It's a 12 inch. So that's a medium and dominant. Yeah. Depends who you are. Depends Depends who you are. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, Yeah. Our cheese pizzas at this, uh, you know, today is is $7.95 and, and, we're always reevaluing. Obviously, the the rest of all of the our costs of ingredients are going up, but we're actually pretty pretty reasonably priced for for compared to the rest of the market because we don't have uh, real estate costs and we don't have uh, uh, the, the the large amount of labor you might need to staff staff a, a restaurant. Yeah. 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 Very, very interesting. Well, look, I, we, I can't wait to try stellar pizza. I'm going to be having it this weekend at pizza city fest, but, um, yeah. I also have my calendar mark for when you guys are at USC. Unfortunately, <sighs> you know, I, we, I didn't have this when I was at USC. It would have, sure. uh, sh- it would have saved me a lot of late night, all meat burritos. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm curious as a, f- yeah. as a, as a food passionate person, what mm-hmm. are you eating when you're when you're you know out and about? What what kind of food are you enjoying recently? Well, um, so, so for pizza, we actually every employee at the company gets a food uh, pizza stipend. We need to understand what the the pizza world is like outside our pizza world. Hey Benson, so, uh, Benson, yeah. uh, uh, unrelated question: Are you hiring? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Um, so, so I do go around trying other people's pizza and, and, and I don't get sick of pizza. There's so many different takes on it, right? It's literally just carbs and cheese and, and sauces and it's, there's so many variations. Um, I personally tend to kind of, uh, get excited about very, very low, low cost, high, hot, delicious food. So I'm not a fancy mm-hmm. person. I don't eat at fancy restaurants. Uh, well, I love real the quick, hole in the walls. Yeah. What, what are your favorite pizzas you've had recently? Uh, Jelena on Venice. So that's a fancy restaurant, but, uh, I think their pizzas, the, 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 the kinds of pizzas that they have are just so unique and, and the yeah. quality in which they, their, their crust is genuinely delicious. It is, yeah. it is really good. Um, but I also, I also like eating, uh, like, like Papa John's, their garlic sauce dip is too, right? On occasion. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the garlic sauce definitely has a place in the canon. That's yeah. the reason you get Papa John's, right? You know? That's right. Yeah, That's absolutely. Right. Right. I hear that. So, I am curious. You know what I am curious about? I really appreciate the in and out ethos, the simplicity that you guys are going with. But the only times I get uh, tempted to order the Pizza Huts and these is when they roll out these like pretzel crusts or like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like those novelty things. I'm a sucker for those. So, so there's actually one of my favorite places. It's in my hometown, but also in Gardena here. Uh, it's called Pizza and Chicken Love Letter, and it's it's a Korean pizza. So they'll have like Korean bulgogi, and and their crust is stuffed with sweet potato, and they have corn. It's Ooh. a really good Korean style pizza that I that I just like. I I get my entire company loves it. Like we'll we'll order that for catering sometimes. Wow, yeah. that's it. That sounds great. I had um, I've been to one in Koreatown called the Koreatown Pizza Company, yeah. and yeah. and I had a sweet potato uh, crust yeah. there, and yeah. I remember thinking this is just gonna be a gimmick, not excited, mm-hmm. but it adds so much in terms of texture and flavor. It's like the the OG and best kind of stuffed yeah. crust, if you ask me. Yes, yes, better than the cheese. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, hey, where can people find you? Where can people find Stellar? Yeah, so uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Eat Stellar Pizza, and uh, generally our schedule gets posted on our website, also at eatstellarpizza.com, where you can find us. We're at USC or UCLA Westwood Village area. 
and our trucks are kind of putzing around usually late night. Uh, other than that, at lunches, we will, we'll do, we're, we're also doing catering for corporate events and Kate, like our truck can pop up and serve like a hundred people in an hour. So wow. wish I knew that before I got married. Uh, <laughs> other thing is, uh, is uh, what day are you going to be at pizza city fest? Uh, we are there Sunday. Okay. So Sunday I'll be there noon to five. Which is perfect, listeners, actually, because Saturday is sold out at Pizza City Fest, but Sunday there are still tickets, so you can still get your ticket and go check out Benson. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Uh, thanks for uh, letting me share my story uh, and and uh, talk about pizzas. I just, I'm really excited for people to try our pizza. Hey, look, when you go on How I Built This, just remember, re- remember, remember this conversation, you know, never forget your roots. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Benson. Really <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. And I'll see you. I'll see you at Pizza City Fest then. Sure. Yeah. See you Sunday. Thanks for listening to another episode of the LA Food Podcast. Thanks to Benson Sai for joining us. If you like what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, leaving a rating, a review. Give us a follow if you should be so inclined. If you're looking for me, you can reach me at the LA Countdown on TikTok and Instagram. That's T-H-E-L-A-C-O-U-N-T-D-O-W-N.